Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Stephanie Hubka. I'm the 2023 Vice President of Membership and Outreach, as well as a member of the Pod Squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. Our Pod Squad also includes Helena Hodges, our Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our producer, and also my co-host, Christina Eanes, who is our 2023 Vice President of Marketing and Communications. And unfortunately, she will be missing us for this episode. But we are very excited to welcome our guest for this week, John Lay. Welcome, John. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. We're thrilled. Thanks for inviting I, me. Oh, I, and I'm really excited about our topic today. We're going to be talking about selecting and implementing an LMS, something I know and love and actually did for about a decade. So I'm really <laughs> excited to get to chat with you. But before we do, I would love it if you would introduce yourself to everyone joining us today. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome. I'm John Lay. I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Talented Learning. I founded it in 2014 to be an independent research and consulting firm that studies the learning systems market and primarily helps buyers buy learning management systems. My background is uh, I have uh, prior to that, I have 14 years of carrying an enterprise sales bag for two major uh, LMS providers. And I have a master's degree in instructional technology from 25 years ago. So I've been square in the middle of the LMS space my whole career. And that makes you the absolute perfect person to chat with today. I mean, LMSs have really grown and changed a lot, especially in the last, you know, 15 years decade or so. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to get a sense as to where things are. And I guess actually that's, that may be a good place for us to start. So more and more, I'm hearing some of my colleagues and some of the partners that I work with talk a little bit about whether or not they actually need a learning management system or an LMS. So I think it would be great for us to maybe start there, start from the top. Tell us a little bit about what an LMS is the value it can offer to an organization and why people may actually be interested in uh, looking into one? Mm -hmm. Good question. Uh, big question. Uh, at its simplest, a learning management system manages learners and the content and the interrelationship between the two. Yeah. And all LMSs do that. They get learners to content or learners can find content and take it. Uh, the reason an organization, and there's a lot of different types of learning management systems, but primarily uh, where most people start with learning management systems is for your employees. Any, any corporation, any organization that has more than a handful of employees can use and needs a learning management system to manage a learner and what they should know for their job, their organization, their role on a project, or for compliance or any other reason. Right. And in addition to that, there's a lot of different uh, applications outside of your employees. And that's probably one of the more exciting things in 2023 is that organizations are learning or using learning management systems to train their customers, to train your partners and other non-employee audiences. And so using learning as a strategic tool for a competitive differentiation. And there's a, a big market for le using learning management systems to sell content. And so there's lots and lots of subject matter experts, training companies, associations that sell content as one of their primary business or their primary business. And there's learning management systems for that also. 
Yeah, I think you make a really good point about the distinction because more often than not, especially in talent development and the organizations that a lot of us work within, we're talking about learning management systems for internal customers, more or less. The learners that we work with day in and day out, they're the ones whose learning records we want to be maintaining and we want to make sure that they have access to the training that we're developing. But I do think it's a really good point in that there is often an external application to some of that. And a lot of times you do have organizations who might be thinking about perhaps selling a training product. And an LMS can be a really good solution in that respect as well. That's true. That's true. Yeah. As it turns out, it's really the fastest growing uh, segment. Uh, early in my career, I tripped into customer learning and channel and partner learning when everybody else was just thinking about talent development, which is certainly a, a good topic, employee integrated talent development. And so I've spent a whole career in this other field of uh, external learners. And it's, it was always kind of a fringe field until about 10 years ago, maybe even eight years ago, where it just caught on like wildfire. And now it's hard to find organizations that don't want to train their customers because it's very, very measurable on and your partners to say, okay, customers that consume training, how are they behaving in terms of buying more, selling more, customer satisfaction? And so you can really draw a line between training and actual business results. And that's why that's a, an exciting field and probably the fastest growing application of learning technology right now in the world. Yeah, I can see that. I, I think you're absolutely right about that. And it gets me thinking a little bit about just how much the field has grown in the last, you know, 10, 15 years or so. And how it, really the variety of types of LMS products that are out there. It used to feel as though there were a few main players in the space and there are a lot of smaller, maybe boutique LMSs that have popped up. I know there are things, you know, WordPress or WordPress plugins, for example, where you actually can sort of build that in. So I would be really curious about some of your insights into what some of those options are. What's actually available? Full service LMS, some LMSs, the plugins. What should we know about that landscape? Mm -hmm. That's another big question. So yeah, for my, my 14 years of selling enterprise learning management systems, that was before the cloud and really before mobile uh, yeah. caught mainstream. And there was really at any given time, only 15 to 20 learning management system vendors across the world. Then about 15 years ago, all of a sudden there was 25, then 50, then 250. And when I started Talented Learning in 2014, one of the questions I wanted to answer was, why are there so many learning management systems right. and what can they all, where, where can they all find something to eat uh, in terms of, of new clients? Well, flash forward to today, there is now over a, a thousand different global learning management systems. And there's all types, as you mentioned, from full service to self-service. But when I started going one by one by one, and now I'm up to over 350 that I've reviewed in the last 10 years, wow. and uh, it just continues on. <laughs> And uh, my, my current working theory is that they're divided by use case. So there's some learning management systems on the one side of the spectrum that are all purpose. They're good for yeah. employees. They're good for selling content. But like all, all purpose tools, they do a lot of things, but maybe not everything great. Sure. And on the other end of the spectrum are learning management systems for specific use cases. So just for customer education, just for selling content, just for healthcare, just for... Canada, 
uh, in yeah. regional areas. And so they have, you know, very specific, uh, uh, regions or focus, uh, that they have. And then there's really everything in between gradations in between. And so that's kind of the range, uh, I think, from the one way of all purpose to specialty. But then within each one of those categories, there's full service to self service. So there's LMSs like the WordPress ones that you mentioned that you can just download the app, you pay your annual fee, and it's your responsibility to install it, maintain it, use it, train yourself, deploy it, put your courses on it. That's mm-hmm. your job as the buyer. All the way to the other side where they have full the LMS providers have full consulting teams, full project teams of project managers, project plans, implementation consultants, Integration consultants, content consultants, you know, that come as a, as a, a, a high ticket, uh, and high price in a lot of cases, consulting team that guide you from A to Z, which may take, you know, three months or six months or 18 months, depending on how big and how hairy and scary your application is. And so there's a, what b- buyers have to figure out is what they need full service to self service, all purpose to specialty use case. And that's the, the key to buying now in, in the modern era is defining where you are in that spectrum. I think that makes complete sense to me and really opens up another one of those big questions, which is <laughs> where do you start? What, what goes into LMS selection? And when I ask this question, I do so with a little bit of a smile because I remember the first time that I was a buyer. It was about a decade ago, and I was working with a new organization. I had just been hired to help them to identify, implement, and then build an LMS. And I remember the sense of excitement coupled with the sense of overwhelm. So many options. And I know there are so many more even now, but there were so many options, so many considerations. You almost really needed a strategic plan to begin to dive into that. So I would love to hear from you what really goes into that selection process. Are there certain criteria that people should keep in mind, questions perhaps to ask, maybe even internally before you even get to some of those external questions you might ask a partner? Mm-hmm. So when I was uh, selling for 14 years, yeah. I uh, you know started off just trying to sell an LMS like every other uh, salesperson. And then over the years, what ended up happening is I became a student of the process. And I really dug in deep to good buyers versus bad buyers. And I could, uh. I could start to see the difference between the buyers and I could sense it in the first conversation, the first discovery call of what type of buyer it was going to be. And by the end of those 14 years, what I had done is I developed my own buying process, which is a culmination of the best practices that I saw throughout my career. And what the best buyers always did is they started with the end in mind. What is What are they trying to achieve? What are the business goals? How will they know if they were successful or not? And then working back from there to who are my audiences? What are my use cases? And then taking the time to define their requirements. So you can go online and say, oh, you know, let me borrow somebody else's LMS RFP template, a request for proposal template, and let me use that. And lots of organizations do that, but it's almost a, a quick, uh, a quick route to failure because your requirements are different than everybody else's. And so you have to take the time to start at the beginning and build those requirements out because those requirements, the subset of those requirements or the full set rather leads you to where those thousand vendors that you should evaluate. Because if you need a specialty vendor, you maybe you don't know that, but if you're in a category that has specialty players, 
well, it's a lot better to evaluate them to evaluate some General Motors generalist uh, type uh, organization that could do everything. Sure, you might you know get your content and your users together, but you're not maximizing uh, your efficiency and the competitive differentiation. So what people don't realize about requirements is they always think requirements are, oh, I like gamification or I want social learning or, I, you know, I, I need micro learning. And you yeah. say, okay... Why? What are you trying to achieve? How are you doing it now? What's not working? What? And so, as it turns out, there's there's different categories of content or uh, ca- different categories of requirements that buyers, good buyers, pay attention to. One of them is the business requirements of use case and audience and how we're going to charge for it and, you know, what our budgets are and, sure. and, and you know, the, the practical things. The second one is the functional ones, like I talked about, which could be for employees. It might be compliance and managing certifications and, you know, the ability to have manager approvals and lots of things like that. But for customer education, it could be something different of being able to attract users and have marketing type functions and making it look like Netflix is a lot more important with the voluntary customer learners that you can't tell what to do. So there's the functionality, there's the business, but then there's the technical requirements too. And that is, what do we need to integrate with? You know, what's our level of accessibility need to be? You know, how secure does it need to be depending on, you know, whether we're operating in Europe or just in Pennsylvania, you know, for example, where you have different levels of security requirements. Do I need to integrate with an HR system or a CRM system or a virtual classroom, single sign-on, or which once. And then there's the requirements around services. So can I do this myself? What's my team makeup? Do I need help? Do I need that full service? Can I do it myself? Do I just need some help? And being able to define that. So those different categories of working through services, what kind of support do I need uh, after implementation of, you know, do I just need it for my administrators? Do I need first level support so that if somebody has a problem with their browser, they can call somebody other than me as the administrator <laughs> right. to, to, to solve that. And so good buyers take the time to go through and define their business, their functional, their technical, and their service requirements. And what that allows you to do is it leads you to the best vendors to evaluate because you can't evaluate all thousand. I've been trying for 10 years and I only have 350. And so you have to find a subset of them. (laughs) And if you can find a subset of qualified vendors, then you spend more time digging in to less vendors that are qualified so you can really get picky and choose your best learning management system. I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's really, it was interesting to hear you kind of start some of what you were sharing, which is really that reminder that there is a people focus in all of this. And I was thinking as somebody who does a lot more instructional design these days than I do LMS, you know, discovery development, anything really in that realm. A lot of times when you're thinking about how you're going to design a training course or something like that, you're thinking about the learner. And I think what sometimes people can forget is that there are real people who are going to have to engage with the system that you put together. So thinking about what that learner experience is going to look like, and perhaps even your team's experience, managing, maintaining, answering questions, making updates, that all can really go into what a good solution is going to look like. It could certainly help you to differentiate between do I want something more self-service or full service, but it's also going to give you a chance maybe to dig more deeply into that day to day. And that, of course, is where some of those time, you know, the, the time investments are really going to get made. 
Yeah, it's just like instructional design. That's what I always think. I, I've thought that for for decades now. Yeah, that the process is the same. You just don't go start building and authoring your course. You know, you start at the beginning with a needs analysis. You you, you build it up. You create your instructional design. How you're going to approach it. What outcomes that you want. What are your learning objectives? That same process on a macro basis is how you think about or should think about your learning system because it's an extension of your instructional design. Getting them to the content and making that content experience experience uh, enjoyable is is all are all steps to success. But one of the differences that makes it really important now is with employee learning management systems and certainly traditionally as administrators you have an advantage by cuz you can say take this training by Friday or you're fired. <laughs> you know. Yeah, oh, of course. <laughs> you know so, <laughs> There's there's nothing but the stick uh, that you need. Right. Uh, you know, you certainly don't. You can certainly you know have the carrot, but the stick is what you need. But for all external audiences or all content as a business audiences, the learning process and access to the system is voluntary. You have to entice them to come. When they come, they have to see value right away. If they have to open their wallet, they really have to see value. Yes, and you have do. to provide that value instantly. And all those things make engaging voluntary learners almost the exact same process of instructional design of really getting to the heart of who they are so that you can make the most amount of impact with them. Oh, I love that. I love that. And, you know, thinking too about that experience, I have certainly had colleagues who have, they've sort of run through the spectrum of, you know, a year or two in, they love the choice they made. This is a great system. They're still customizing and they're happy. And I've also engaged with people who have had buyer's remorse. They really didn't get what they were looking for. And I'm curious if you have any guidance as far as how often you should think through things like your LMS's suitability for your needs, maybe even after purchase and implementation. Is there a cadence or any recommendations around how you might ensure that even after you have an LMS, that it's still the right product for you years in, um, You know, especially knowing how the market is changing? Mm -hmm. So as our primary business at Talented Learning, we're consultants that help organizations buy better. So we are always... We find organizations or organizations find find us through our our content marketing our blog and and our podcast and so i always find them when they hit that point of dissatisfaction that they're ready to switch their system so i always see well, i've helped now personally over 100 organizations go through that full buying process wow and so uh, what i've seen is that when your lms is good it's installed you're getting the uh, the learners like it. You're getting great customer service from your LMS vendor. I see organizations stay in their LMS for a decade or more and continue yeah. to, to do that. My recommendation is the minute any of those things don't feel right, there's 999 other choices out there. And yeah. so if you're not getting stellar customer service, if you're getting ignored, if you ask for features and they don't show up for a year or ever, if your learners are complaining, if customer satisfaction are low, if you feel like you're spending too much money, if you feel like your license, you're paying more than you should based on how your learners are interacting with the system, those are all reasons that I see that organizations look around. But vendors make it easy because there's typically a contract cycle. So if right. you become a, you buy a new learning management system, you can license that for a year or two years or three years or five years, depending on, you know, the vendor and, you know, what's negotiated. And so no matter what that time frame is, 
a year is too short, but uh, in, in my opinion, but if you yeah. have a three year cycle, well, then in year two, you have to start asking yourself the questions, including whether you're hitting your measurable goals or not that you set out originally, if you defined right. your uh, requirements right. And so it's always a good idea, I think, to even if you're not going to switch is to put your head up and look around and to see what's out there. Could I achieve my goals better, faster, with more efficiently uh, with a different system? And so in a lot of cases, that could be no. In many cases, it, it, it's yes, especially yeah. as more and more uh, specialty learning systems come out uh, into the marketplace. There's options to uh, a lot of times options to do things for less cost, but with more efficiency with somebody that's doing exactly what you're trying to achieve. And you know that because if you look at their clients, there's a whole bunch of clients just like yourself. And that's how you know when you're yeah. in the right in the right spot. If you go to your vendor and you're a university and they have all corporate clients, you know, that should be red bells. You know, if you're a specialty customer education in software and they don't have any examples that they can talk about, you know, that should be red bells. But if you look around and you're that same software provider and they've got 38 examples of software providers that are training your customers, well, then you know that there's a great chance that the majority of their research and development dollars are doing things that are aiding everybody that are just like you. So you get more faster, you know, as things develop in the industry and innovation develops. Absolutely. I think that's great advice. And I also appreciate you making it very clear that you can and maybe even should be shopping around. I think a lot of times when you make a big investment, organizationally, you can feel stuck. You feel yeah. like the, we've committed and now it's ours forever and ever. <laughs> and it is a lot easier now to take your business elsewhere if you really need to. But it also is a good reminder that as your team grows, your business grows, your learners grow, mm -hmm. that it's a good idea to keep tabs on that and make sure that you found the solution that's going to work for you. Sure. And the vendor community is very dynamic. I know we're out of time. And so oh, there's no, a no. lot of burgeoning and acquisitions going on. And so that a lot of times causes... Uh, heartburn with the actual users of the learning management system because, you know, if your system got acquired and now you got to migrate to another system, I find that is, you know, also a great time to look around and say, well, before I migrate to this other system that bought my company, let's look around yeah. and, and do, oh, a, yeah. do a test. That, that makes a lot of sense to me too. I, I love the feedback. I love the advice really. And I think for a lot of people out there, whether you have an LMS or whether you're wondering if you should or wondering if you maybe should make that switch, how can people get in touch with you? I think people are going to really appreciate the resources that you're putting out. You mentioned a podcast and a blog and you know a lot of great ways to stay in touch with you. Well, our website, thanks for that. Uh, our website yeah. is, is talentedlearning.com. Uh, in 2014, I figured the only way I could find... Uh, learning system buyers before they found vendors was to start writing an advice blog. And so now I've written over 300 serious articles on everything LMS from use cases to functionality. All that's free. Same with the podcast, the talented learning show, which you can get from the, the same site. And it's on the, all the same channels that this is Spotify yeah. and iTunes and, and so forth. And so that's all free to the public. It's really well indexed and you can find it very easily on our site to dig into that information. We have our nine step buying process process outlined on the site that gives you advice on what you can do in each stage as well as tools that you can use freely uh, to uh, up your success. You can also find our options for consulting if you need a little bit more hands-on help. And that's where you get to work with me. And then we also uh, this year published our 2023 market 
report on learning systems. And so we cover the top 40 learning systems and it's a 180 page report that digs deep into the corporate use cases of learning systems, functionality groups, and what's needed and what's not all with backed up by real good data. That is fantastic. I mean, that's a wealth of resources that you are offering. And by the way, I am familiar with both the blog and the podcast, and I can vouch for both of them. They are wonderful, wonderful resources. Definitely add certainly the podcast. And if you're listening to us, you should definitely be listening to John's podcast too. So I'm, I'm thrilled. I, I have really enjoyed getting a chance to talk all about LMSs. It's certainly a, a topic I hold near and dear to my heart, but we are not quite done with our conversation Uh-oh. for today. I know we always save the best for last and the best we've got is rapid fire questions. So Uh-oh. at the end of every episode, we like to ask our guest a couple of rapid fire style questions, no more than about 60 seconds or so to respond just to get a little more from you. So what do you think? Are you ready for some rapid fire? I'm ready. A little scared, but I'm ready. The hardest questions we have for you today are coming up right now. So (laughs) the first question we've got for you, give us one book that everyone must read and why. Well, as you can see, I love to read. I love that. That's one of my favorite backgrounds I've seen for those of you who are watching our My favorite book in the place of honor is Ernest Hemingway's Old Man in the Sea. Oh, good choice. It's easy to read. It's poignant. It teaches great life lessons. You can do it in a long afternoon. And uh, I've probably read it 10 times in my life. It's a great, great choice. And I think the first time anyone's mentioned that in all of these episodes. So I love it. We're off to a good start. That's a great one. All right. All right. Let's keep it going. What is one tool that you can't live without? Uh, I might have a unique answer for this one, too, because I own and live on a Christmas tree farm and operational Christmas tree farm. And so my most important tool that I use three, four, five times a week is a chainsaw. I love it. I love that's that is maybe the most unique response we've heard. As a matter of fact, that you're. I think you may be living the dream for a lot of people. Getting a chainsaw on Christmas tree farm. That's phenomenal. I spend all day working on the computer, and then all afternoon uh, out uh, thinking about my blogs in the trees. And that is what we call balance. It is balance. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> all right. Our last question for you today: What is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Wow. I solicit advice all the time. So I've got lots of good advice. But back in the 80s, I was watching the the news, which my family did every night, the nightly news. And there was a a, a female admiral that was retiring. And at the time, she was the highest ranking admiral uh, in in the United States Navy. And they asked her that exact question. And her answer is my answer is, is that it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. That's a good one. (laughs) You know what's funny? My husband and I were actually just talking about that piece of advice uh, just a couple of days ago. It's advice that he received from a former employer. And it has stuck with him. So I think that will stick with a lot of our listeners too. That's <laughs> it's gotten great. me in trouble a few times, but it's also got me ahead in my career more often long, than not. So as long as it's good trouble, right? Yeah. <laughs> as long as it's good trouble. <laughs> that-
That's terrific. That I, I really think that may be some of my favorite advice we've got as well. You're three for three. I think uh, that that's some good news. We can probably let you go today knowing that we have asked you some really important questions. And I can't thank you enough for all of the great information, the resources, and in some cases, for some people, the permission to really get serious and strategic about how an LMS might be able to transform the work that they do and the way that they offer training to learners. So thank you so much for being here today. Outstanding. Thank you, Stephanie. It was a pleasure. It was a lot of fun. And of course, many thanks to all of you in our community for listening. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Are you interested in learning more about the Metro DC chapter of ATD or following us on social media? Go to dcatd.org and click on About. Want to network with other chapter members? Join the Metro DC chapter of ATD members on LinkedIn today. 